We come to chapter 9 in the Confessions on Free Will. When we think of free will, it is uh, a name of a Baptist church, Free Will Baptist Church. There's uh, many ways that we can have an idea of uh, what free will is. But as we consider the, the confession, free will is not something that is uh, against the sovereign work of God. And often we can see these two things as, as if, well, if man is free, God isn't sovereign. But I think to understand what Scripture teaches about free will is important. Look at paragraph 1 with me as we see the definition of man's will. Paragraph 1, God has endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice, that it is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. Again, the power of acting upon choice that's neither forced nor nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. Again, when we understand a better definition of man's will, starting with what it's not, it's not an absolute freedom. It's not an absolute unpredictability. For if it was absolutely freedom, it would be outside of God's work. Is that a place where any mankind would want to be? Outside of the work of God? Absolutely not. But it is also not, there's a term called determinism, that life is not just a series of dominoes. For all things fall under God's sovereignty and His ordination. And we have to, we can't just take one doctrine and throw it outside of the control of God. We must keep them all under. But then, since it's under God, we must understand what free will is. And it is this, the freedom to make choices under the sovereign rule of God. The ability to make a choice. Again, you you think about a a child. A, A child has free will. Is it an absolute free will? Void of any consequences? No. But they are free to make those choices. There is a good outcome or a bad outcome, and they have the free will to choose those, just as we do. But that does not make it apart from any type of authority over. Some say, well, free will, or a will must be free to to determine by self Or it's not free. No. Again, we have the free will to choose whether we are going to go the speed limit on the road or not. Is anyone forcing us to make a decision one way or the other? Are the police in our car controlling our car? Well, not yet. Um, But... There is nothing forcing us, so we have the ability to choose. And just because we have a superior authority over us does not take away that truth. Again, the free will is the ability to make choices, but every choice is made under the sovereign rule of God. 
And throughout paragraph 9, here I think is the key. If you're, if you're maybe already falling asleep, here's the one truth to walk away with. We always choose what we desire most. We always choose what we desire most. Our desires drive what we choose. I choose to take the consequences because I want something greater. I want to get to a place faster, so therefore I speed, and I'm willing to take those consequences. A.A. Hodge says, A man freely chooses what he wants to choose. He would not choose freely if he chose in any other way. But his desire in the premises is determined by his whole intellectual and emotional state at the time. Again, just because we have free will, people will say, well, then how can we be responsible? How can we held, be held accountable? And we've seen that as we've walked through the confession. But the confession in paragraphs 2, 3, 4, and 5 give us the states of man's will. Man's will has changed. It is not immutable. It changed. And look at paragraph 2. Paragraph 2 says that man, in his state of innocency, had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable, so that he might fall from it. This is speaking of the state of man's will at creation. How long did this last? But God created Adam and Eve with the ability to choose right or wrong. They were free to follow their unstable heart. They could fall from that state. That's that, uh, the, the mutability of it. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, Truly, this only have I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Genesis 3.6, we see that choice being made. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Again, at creation, God created mankind with the ability to choose. The ability to choose, but the nature of the heart of man was unstable. Unstable in that they could choose wrong. We know that that happened. Again, there in Genesis 3, 6. And the, the will of mankind changed, no longer being in this unstable point, but becoming completely fallen. Paragraph 3 shows us that. Man, by his fall into a state of sin, has wholly lost his all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man, being altogether averse from that, from that good, and dead in sin, is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself thereunto. Again, at creation, man was free to follow their unstable hearts. After the fall, man is free to follow his sinful heart. We, we hear, follow your heart, follow your heart. Well, our heart leads us into sin because that is now our nature. 
It is the state we are all in. Chapter 6, we looked at the, the fall of mankind and, and to see the, our utter inability. We, perfect, we are perfectly sinful in all that we are and in all that we do. As in Adam, all die. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for, for what? For who? The ungodly. Because that is our state. In the fall, we are all under Adam and we are impacted by that. Romans 8, 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Our mind is against God and under the fall. We understand that now we are all creatures of wrath. We all choose to sin. But why do we choose to sin? Our nature is different. It's no longer the perfect nature that Adam and Eve were given, but we have a fallen nature. Why do we always choose what's wrong in our fallen nature? Because that's what our nature drives us to that is our desire our desire is not for the things of god it's for the things of the world ephesians 2 1 and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins we understand that in our deadness in our sin we as the paragraph said, we have wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. Again, mankind acts freely. We freely choose. But what is our desire? To do that which is wrong. Because all have sinned. There is nothing in us that has the ability to even choose anything good. But the third state is that upon conversion. Paragraph 4 says, When God converts a sinner and translates him to the state of grace, he frees him from his natural bondage under sin and by his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he does not perfectly nor only will that which is good but does also will excuse me but does also will that that which is evil Adam and Eve they were free to follow their unstable heart in our fallenness we are free to follow our sinful heart but when God changes our heart we see that that God replaces the heart of stone for a heart of flesh We are now free to follow our changed heart. But what we see here in this paragraph is that even when a believer, when when God saves us, that we don't perfectly obey. We, We don't enter this perfectionism that we continue to battle. In our fallenness, all we can do is sin. When God changes our hearts, we have the ability to do good, but we don't always do it. We sometimes sin. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We have been changed, but that change 
is imperfect. Uh, Romans 7 is a, uh, almost a whole chapter on Paul talking about this battle. Romans 7 verse 15, Paul writes, For what I am doing I do not understand, for what I will to do that I do not practice, but what I hate that I do. Now again, is Paul unconverted at this point? No. His heart has been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But just because his heart has been changed, he's not been given a perfect heart. We still battle. He says just a couple verses later in verses 18 and 19, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present within me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And then he continues in verses 21 and 23. I find then a law. That evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. At creation, God created Adam and Eve with a heart to will to do good or evil. Adam and Eve sinned. And under Adam's curse, we all sin in our nature. So we freely choose. But what is our nature? To always choose what is evil. But when God changes our hearts, he gives us a new heart. It's not a perfect heart. We are saved, but we still battle sin. We still live in this imperfect world, as the Apostle Paul was saying, doing the things that we know we aren't to do. But there's a fourth, and that's paragraph five. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory only. Adam and Eve freely to follow their unstable hearts. Under sin's consequences, free to follow our sinful hearts. When God saves us, we're free to follow our changed heart, but it's not a perfect heart until glory. And in glory, we are free to follow our perfect heart. I was thinking about this afternoon, what an amazing day that will be. That the battle against sin will be no longer. That the things that so easily entangle us, the Hebrews 12, will no longer be there. For those who are in Christ, for we will be unable to sin. There will no longer be that struggle for sin. We will be in the state of immutability. We will not change. Our, our will will not change. Our desires will be to do all that which is good. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's that end. Sadly, some have taught that we can accomplish that here on this earth, but we can't. There is no perfectionism that can be attained. But again, Adam and Eve freely chose. 
on what basis? A heart that was unstable. We, in our unregenerate, in our sinful, we are free to choose. But what is our nature? To choose what is evil. When God changes our heart, he gives us a new heart. What are we able to choose? We are able to choose to do what's right, but we don't always do it. But in glory, those who are saved will always choose what is right. R.C. Sproul said this, In heaven, when we are in glory, we are free only to obey. That is what we call royal freedom, the most wonderful freedom, where our choices will only be good. We will have no inclination whatsoever to do anything wicked or evil. Again, in glory, why? How are we able to? How is that a free will? Because we're acting upon a life, a heart that is completely changed. We always are free to choose, but we're driven by our desires. Our desire in our sin is to desire sin. When God changes us, it's a desire to seek him. And when our heart is fully changed in heaven, it's a desire only that which is good. So do we have a free will? Absolutely. But it's driven by our desires. And our desires are what we have to examine. That is the the cause of what we choose. I was thinking about this. When we sin, it's a desire problem. It's a desire for the things of me and not the things of God. And when we battle the sin of our own flesh, the question is, how am I asking God to change my desires, to take my appetite for A, B, or C, the things that I, 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 I sin in, and cause me to have different desires. In each of our own lives, that's the case, and I pray that God will help us by his grace to seek that which is pleasing to him. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder Lord, in your creation, you created us with the ability to choose. And Father, I confess, Lord, as you have changed my heart, I do not always choose to do what is right. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would continue to work in us a a heart that desires to do your will. A, a, A heart that seeks after you. And Lord... As your children, we look forward to the day when our desires are are no longer for the things of this world, that our desires are only to do do that royal freedom, to, to choose to only do good. Lord, until that day, Lord, cause us to be dependent upon you, upon your grace, your amazing grace that has saved wretches like us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.